Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab for Women in Business. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Shukuzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Together in the Liberation Lab, we explore what it actually takes to create fulfillment, success, and freedom. Today, we are finally diving into the topics of marketing and sales. We spend a lot of time talking about the inner aspects of succeeding in business, but we can't talk about liberation in business without addressing some of the key components to success, which is marketing and sales. Most business owners are obsessed with marketing, whether it is avoiding it, spending all their time doing it, or just worrying about it. We talk about the difference between marketing and sales and why focusing on marketing can be the downfall for many women in business. There are so many threads we can pull from this episode, but it is a great overview of my philosophy on marketing sales. If you're enjoying the show, we'd be so happy to have you review us on iTunes. You can also head over to liberationlab.com to subscribe and access some amazing resources to help you feel more liberation. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab for Women in Business. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Laura Schutt-Guzman. Hello, Laura. Well, hello, my lovely co-host, Sonia. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, and how about you? I'm well, yeah. I'm enjoying 2018. It's an intense entry, I've, hear, I've heard of many people, not just myself, but good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. it's so interesting because that's what I was explaining to someone today. I feel like it, there is an intensity at the moment across the board, and there is a lot of sort of pushing our emotions up to the surface, whatever this intensity is. And so a lot of people are kind of dealing with more of their internal stuff. So I think that's really interesting. But we're not going to talk about that today. We talk about that a lot. Because today mm-hmm. I wanted to dive in to a topic around business that I feel like, crazily enough, we've never talked about. But also, it is one of those things that has so much hype around it, so much misunderstanding. And I think the focus on it actually causes a lot of women to fail in business. So we're going to talk about marketing and sales. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. We haven't, I mean, we've probably touched on a little bit, but never directly discussed marketing and sales, which is a huge, huge part of business. And um, yeah, I'm happy to dive into this conversation. And I love that we don't really have a particular angle that we want to address. We just Mm want to hop in and start exploring. And I know I have a lot of my own um, self-reflection or just little things that are popping up around what it means to market my business and my relationship to sales. So where do you think should we, where should we start this conversation? Tanya? I was thinking that we should start with just, first of all, just creating some sort of definition and clarity around the difference between marketing and sales. Because interestingly enough, as I work more with women and as I talk more with women, there's a lot of confusion around the difference. So, so just to sort of, you know, have a frame around it. Marketing is really uh, where we are trying to get people's attention, right? We're trying to tell people about our services or products. We're trying to get their attention. And you might call it lead generation. We're trying to get leads. We're trying to get people who show a tiny bit of interest in our products or services. That's marketing. Sales is where we actually convert those leads into buyers to where they are purchasing and buying our products or services. So I think it's really important to separate those because what I find is is everybody is super hyper-focused on marketing and very few people are working on improving their sales. So what happens is you've got a lot of people trying to collect leads, trying to fight for leads, trying to go for leads, and their conversion absolutely sucks, which means that they're not making any sales. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I see that a lot. And actually you see that mirrored in social media platforms. I mean mm-hmm. that they're really feeding on our desire to become more visible, but they don't give us a lot of tools for converting those leads. And they don't really have a lot of uh, bells and whistles around funneling people into a sales process other than to charge you for boosting or for, you know, play, paying for some additional features like Instagram and Facebook, which Facebook owns Instagram, but that the ability to sponsor your post. But even then, 
a lot of their bells and whistles, hmm, it's like they still have to funnel you into somewhere that's going to be on your page, a sales page or a sales process or an ability to really create a relationship with that lead. And I don't really see that happening in that place, right? Out in the the world that's getting our attention, all the social media platforms that everyone's like trying to learn more about. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that this is, you know, this is definitely one of my soapboxes. So, you know, hopefully everyone's okay with that. Because one of the things that drives me nuts is that people think that, you know, for instance, having a ton of followers on Instagram, somehow converts to sales and generally it doesn't. I know people with hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and they have zero sales. Like so many people spend so much of their energy and so much of their time on platforms and in ways to get lead generation that never ever convert to sales. It is such a waste of our precious energy. And so I think, you know, this is why this is really important. And one of the frameworks I use with my clients and in, in my sales training as well is like just to give everybody sort of a picture or, um, you know, an idea to, to relate to, you know, let's say that you convert 2% of your leads. So 2%, right? Which is pretty typical for an advertising agency. It's pretty typical if you're just trying to use social media, you might convert 2%. So you've got to get a hundred leads to get two clients, right? Now let's yeah. say you're, you're, you're converting at 50% your sales process, right? 50% is pretty much what my clients eventually get to. 50% is, I do a lot more than 50% in conversion. So 50% is not unheard of or unreasonable, depending on what you're selling and doing. So if it's, let's say you're converting 50%, you need four leads for those same two clients. Mm. Four as opposed to 100. Yeah. That, that is a major difference if you look at energy. If I'm spending all my energy trying to get all those leads and I'm trying to get 100 leads, that's a very different energy than if I'm trying to get four leads. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's just sort of one of those pieces that I think is really important to look at. I'm all for a re more return on energy and effort. Like that's one of my things. I'm like so big on, on ROE. Let's get more return on our effort and energy, especially as small businesses. And here's where I think things have gotten skewed. So years ago, I, I ran an advertising agency. My first job was in the advertising world. Those kind of businesses who've really promoted advertising and talked about marketing, like they can afford to just get 2% of leads converted because they've got yeah. big teams. They've got a ton of people doing the work. They've got, you know, like 2% for them is big and bold and it's fine. But for small business owners, we do not have the energy, the team or the space to be able to only convert 2% of our leads. So I think this is like a really important sort of lesson or perspective that we've got to look at because most small businesses are operating as if they're big advertising agencies and they're mm. not, which is why they're getting burned out, why their businesses are failing because they are not creating sales. So we have to really sort of flip it all in our heads. Mm, that's such a good point because people's like, uh, I guess, frame of reference or what we model after often is sort of these big brands that are online and people see what they're up to, how they're uh, presenting themselves, how they're growing their list and their followers and their likes. And they're in attempting to look like those brands or sort of present themselves in that way. But it's a completely different ballgame. Mm. And, you know, I think that that was something that became really apparent just for me personally running two very different businesses. Because as a psychotherapist in a solo paneur type position where it's just me and my services, that's my brand. It's who I am, how well I'm trained, how I present and how I connect with that client. Well, my conversion rate is really high with psychotherapy because by the time they get through the door, they've already checked me out. They've already decided what type of therapy they're looking for. And if they've set up a consult nine out of 10 times, they'll become a client, but that's a very different business to run than when I had a co-working space. Right. And then I was like, Oh wait, this is very different type of conversion because you're not, they're not sure whether you're, I don't know, more up there if, if there's like a connection, like bigger brands. And I, and I don't know if that's something that you have found like versus when you were doing ad agency or whether you were doing co-working space versus your coaching practice. Like, do you find that even your conversion is higher when you're doing like a personal brand 
conversion, you know, cause you've got yourself out there. They kind of know who you are. They've picked you by the time they show up, um, on your doorstep because I don't know, it's just so different. It's so much harder for me to convert my coworking space clients than it is for a psychotherapy client because by the time they're in front of me, they're almost ready to work with me. Yeah, look, I think there's definitely different variables we have to look at, right? So, so you know, there's a spectrum, and we're not going to be able to cover in this episode, like, all the variations. So, so let's talk about some of the factors that I think matter. Yes, if you're selling your own services, you're closer to that. There is a, a an ability to convert really high, right? If you're selling really low-end products, or you're selling online courses, you're selling things that, like, you need a lot more volume, you know, that's a, just a different scenario altogether. So I think, you know, we've got to look at, you know, kind of where you are in your business cycle, what kind of business you have, you know, and I think a lot of it as well is around how well you're really communicating and describing what your value is. See, Laura, as an example, you know your psychotherapy, like, you know, your confidence in that is so high, right? You know, you believe in it. You absolutely know you can help people. Like there's a a confidence level and a clarity around what you offer that is so clear that that is what I think converts people. Yeah. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you're operating something that's a bit bigger, it's harder to define specifically there. It's a, it's a really, um, saturated marketplace, like co-working is sort of one of those things that, that we're, I think a lot of people are still trying to develop confidence around. What is it exactly? Who needs it? Who's my target market? Like, there's sort of all these pieces that I think when there's less confidence, there's less conversion. Yeah, that's true. And there is less market, um, like you say, there's, it's not just market education, but market value, like Mm -hmm. the, the people in your, lead market generation culture? Like, did they actually understand what you're offering and value what you're offering? Because if there's still a lot of market education, I think maybe that's where people get even just um, naturally caught up in the marketing. Like it, it makes sense because you're trying so hard to get your story out there to explain why you're valuable. And I think that sometimes we can get so caught in focusing on that part, that's where we get out of balance. Because even, yes, we do want market education. We want to be explaining and expressing that value. But if you, by the time they show up ready and saying, oh, I believe you, I really think this is valuable and I'm ready. What is it that you've really put in place to make sure that that person has a step to go on to and knows how to get in real connection with you? Yeah. I think that's missing. And and I think there's a couple of areas that are really lacking in today's world, right? And it's one of the things that I make sure is really a huge part of my program that I do. So one of those is validation, right? Because what happens so often is that most people are creating whatever it is, so product, service, deciding it all, and then they're putting it out to the market before they've tested it. So they have they oftentimes spend thousands of dollars on a website. They do write all this copy. Maybe they've invested in all these people to do marketing for them, but they have not yet practiced. They have not yet tested it. They have not yet validated that their target market is correct, that their offer is good, that their pricing is good, that their message actually works. And this is why, like, I'm such a big person and such a proponent for validating. And it's a huge part of my program. Like more than half of my program is about the validation period. So it's really about helping people go out and test everything before they have a website, before they solidify everything, before they spend six months creating a program, they actually go out and sell like a sort of an offer that we've come up with to see who even wants it. Like, is it even valuable? Do people find it valuable? What is the messages that work and and cause the target market to actually respond? So I think that validation piece is a really key piece that like 99.9% of people are not doing. Yeah. You know, I really see that in sort of the health and wellness industry where there's often um, maybe a certain amount of time and practice and education that's been acquired, but then unlike in the tech industry where there's beta periods and a lot yes. of, um, you know, R and D a lot of research and development into like, Hey, what is this um, product really, or who wants this product and what's the price that they're willing to pay for it? Like a lot of that happens in, in that sort of in product industries and in tech industries, well, health and wellness, you know, 
we come from sometimes agency work, we come from spas, we come from employment, we go into becoming an entrepreneur, we know these things work, we have a certain amount of confidence, but you've actually never put them together in a packaged way Mm -hmm. that you're most likely going to start selling because this is a new frontier for you to take your individualized wellness formula and put it out there to your potential clients. But we just kind of go right out like the horse out the gate, you know, just like ready. And we haven't looked at a lot of those things. I love that you do that for your clients. And I know that that would give me a boost of confidence if I kind of run trial period, felt like I really understood and garnered some feedback and kind of tweaked it a bit and then went more full, you know, full on with the website or the product launch. And that is something that I think we just don't really have a lot of that education or that awareness that that's a piece of the product of that product or service launch that we could be doing. Yeah. Again, our discomfort sometimes with just that process makes us, um, get too far ahead, right? It's like when you're uncomfortable with something, you just Mm. jump ahead and we're sort of uncomfortable with our testing it because what if we lose our confidence maybe Mm. and think, right? Like what if, what if it fails? Like we almost don't want it to do that. And this is such a key piece, right? So in my program, one of the things that I take into account is that in a, in a time period, like in the validation part where you're sort of testing things out, there is, um, a, un, there's a lot of unknowns, right? And it's very uncomfortable because I won't let my clients plan everything in detail. I won't let them create a program where all the detail is there because what I want them to do is go in and start working with clients and, and serve them and be with them and respond to real data, not imagined data, which is what most people are doing in marketing. They're just imagining data and putting out ideas they have of what should work and not work. But they I want them to have real data. What does their clients actually want and need? What do they need while they're in the process of working with them? So it's a whole different, it's a really unique and different approach to doing it. I don't want them to have the detail. And in that, it can be quite uncomfortable because one, we have to trust ourselves. We have to trust that we can actually give our value without having all the structure. Yeah. And I think that brings up a lot of uncomfortableness. And so for some people, they're more comfortable than others, depending on how much experience they've had in their business, depending on how much we've pivoted them from what they've been doing. Or if they're a new business, it can be a lot of discomfort, you know, having to trust their wisdom, their intuition to follow through with a client in that present moment, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I have this period while I'm guiding someone so that they can have a tether, they can have someone that can sort of hold that space for them and help them. Um, you know, in that darkness, they're, they're running through the darkness. And this is what everybody is actually doing, but they're not doing it intentionally. Like most people are out there creating all the structure, but they really, they're all unknowns. They have no idea what's yeah. going to work or not work. And this is one of the reasons why so many businesses are failing. Yeah. This makes me think of something I just now I'm putting together is that I had a client that was sort of paralyzed in the dream state of getting the business up and running and kept coming back to all of the flaws, like, or I just don't have enough of this, or I can't do that. And yet, like, actually kind of picking away and, and, and holding on to, perf- per, you know, sort of perfecting the structure. And so I think what a lot of people do is that when they're building their programs, they do start to enjoy the control that you feel when you're scheduling your social media post, you're developing your website, you're creating your content and whether or not you're doing that yourself or you're hiring other people, like you're in control, right? Mm. You're crafting it and it feels so good. It feels creative. It feels exciting. But what happens when that first client actually shows up and you're like, ding, 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 somebody just like purchased. I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one here, but I think everyone can think of a time where that sought after client shows up and you kind of start freaking out like, oh my God, oh my God, now there's actually somebody here. Now I'm going to have to do the work. Is it going to be good? Are they going to come back? Are they going to get anything out of this? You know, and there's a little bit, and I've seen my client do that where they never have really gotten their product off the ground because they keep coming back to this. perfect structure that they keep Mm. wanting and they're not leading too many people into purchase it because there's this control in the presentation. There's the control in the marketing. There's a lot of giving out your message, but what happens when you have a client at your door and you're really at that place where 
in a way you're tested, right? Yes. Well, and this is the whole point is that that control is because we're, we're afraid and that yeah. fear is what I want my clients to deal with while they're with me, while I'm working with them, right? Because if I just like do all this stuff for them and I give them all the structure and I say, go do this, and then they go out on their own and they're, they're dealing with this paralyzing fear, then that is so irresponsible. And so, you know, one of the things, and, th- and I see this happening all the time because most people are focused on structures. They're teaching people how to market their business, but they're not dealing with any of the internal stuff. They're not dealing with the mindset. They're not dealing with their fear of value. They're not dealing with all of those fears and, and all all of that stuff that comes up and the need to control. It's like everyone is selling marketing because it's making them money. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this is the, this is the, you know, sadly, this is what most people are focused on, you know, is if you go out there, I mean, all the programs are like, I can help you make, you know, thousands of dollars. I can help you make a hundred K a month, whatever, you know, all of those things that we've talked about before, all the hype. And a lot of that is built on the idea of marketing. So they're selling you marketing, but a lot of them aren't even looking at, do you even have a viable product or service? Do you even have the right target market? Do you even have the right offer? Like so many people have really, um, and, and I talk about this a lot. They don't have a solid foundation. They don't have clarity on what they're even offering and they have no validation. So they're just spending all this time, effort, and money on marketing and marketing tools and marketing software and marketing courses. And they're completely ineffective because what they've got going on inside is is a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Which also then brings me back to like the you know, my question for my clients is like, are you building this business consciously? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you're not aware of what you're referring to, all of the in, kind of the inside job, then you're not going to be able to take any of those skills and really fly with them yeah. because you're going to hit your upper limit problem. You're going to deal with imposter syndrome and you're going to get stuck in analysis paralysis, trying to be a perfectionist instead of launching your dream. It's like all of these things are going to really happen um, when we're not reflecting and being conscious of what is really going on with our business. How viable is this product? Do I have a support that I need? Do I have the resources? You know, and I love that, although we're very much like, we're going to talk about sales and marketing and it's not going to be as much of focus on the inward experience. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. And so are you like, we're still bringing it back. Um, because what I was thinking is this connection to even the, um, what we were talking about in a previous episode, about giving and receiving or the taking and Mm. not being moved and like being able to take what we deserve to take. So if you think about marketing and sales from that perspective, marketing is me telling you what I'm going to give you, right? I'm giving you a sense of myself, what I can provide, how I'm going to improve your life, how I'm going to reduce your struggles, how I'm going to, you know, somehow bring more joy and fulfillment for you if you work with me. What happens when the sale occurs is that I have to really be confident that I'm going to follow through on what it is that I've said I'm going to offer. But I also have to receive now energetically from my client a compensation or something that Mm. they feel values what I'm giving them. Yes. Yes. That sale conversion often is me taking, receiving money, energy, time, appreciation, all that stuff that so many women are more likely to kind of push under the carpet and not want to think about, not really want to feel themselves feeling and it's easier, I think, for us to focus on the giving part, which is the marketing. Yeah. And well, and to split hairs a little bit. Yes, absolutely. I, I totally feel that as well. But I also think what ends up happening for a lot of women is rather than giving themselves authentically to the marketing, they're actually presenting a facade. They're presenting, you know, some face or mask they think they should wear in their marketing. So then it's not even really giving. It's like, you know... I'm putting energy out, definitely, but then it's not even really real. And I think, you know, to circle back to the... Yeah, yeah. And I think to circle back to the sales process, like, you know, I spend a lot of time 
helping people work on the sales process because I want them to only have to get those four leads, not have to get the hundred leads, right? Because then their energy is going to be so better managed. They literally can go out anywhere and get four leads. Like it's not hard, right? I can, I get leads while I'm sitting at the coffee shop. I get leads in the hot springs. I get leads, you know, it doesn't matter. Like I'm start talking to someone and before I know it, I'm in a sales call. Like it's not, you know, it's a whole different framework. Or if you learn how to do sales authentically, if you learn what that means, if you reframe it, if you skill yourself at it, you literally can create a successful business in your sleep. Like it's not hard. But what happens is that most people have this really negative idea of sales. And, you know, when I'm first working with people on the sales calls, they do really well at the giving portion of the sales calls, but where they lose leadership or where they lose themselves is at the end when they have to tell people their price, when they have to tell people about their program, when someone says, yeah, I really want to know more about what you offer, and then they have to talk about it. And that's where they drop off. That's where they're com- they lose their confidence. That's where they kind of sweep it under the rug. So I think, you know, there is a huge, like, that's a really relevant piece is that women are still scared and worried to have to, um, you know present a price to get that exchange to receive the value that they're giving. Yeah, absolutely. I know. This is so why it's it's a fascinating thing for me to self-reflect on as well because even I was working on financial projections for 2018 and just like my profit loss statement for my team and I was reminded, you know, I tend to focus on sometimes I'm just like, oh, well we could save a little bit of money here or we could just pull mm-hmm. back here. And the reality is, no, like put your attention out, put your attention on bringing in more sales. It's not just trying to make a tighter ship with what you have. It's like being able to expand, being able to actually bring in more. So even when I asked myself, why am I more comfortable shaving off the money versus going after more money? It comes down to a discomfort with the idea of hard sells for me. Like I'll go into, okay, now then I have to really go on a hard sell. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to push people or be, um, or be, the worst thing is to be perceived as that like pushy salesperson Mm -hmm. that everyone's like, Oh God, I don't want your product. I don't want, um, whatever it is you're offering. So please leave me alone. And I don't know why we, so many of us, like women that I talk to associate sales with a model that isn't it isn't authentic for us. Like that's not how I experience many of my friends when they are talking to me about their product. Why do I think that I'm going to come across that way as, you know? So it's just an interesting, like I'm seeing that we all have this myth Mm. where we have these myths about what it means to sell something. But my experience of them when they are really in their zone and they're doing, like you said, just converting in their sleep, having these conversations on the beach, just talking to someone that they know and saying, oh, wow, this is this thing I've been doing. It's changing my life and it's changing the life of people I work with. I love it. It's this wellness formula or whatever I've done. I mean, that always feels great. And I want something. I want to, I want some of that. And I want them to keep doing that. So I think that we're all kind of living in a somewhat of a distorted perception that we see ourselves just being the salesy person that mm-hmm. doesn't feel good that's not my direct experience of my friends, my colleagues that I see doing it. Well, and I think we have to talk about a few components to that, right? So one obviously is mindset. I have to help people reframe the way they see sales because sales is really about giving. Sales is really about like being able to support someone. I don't even tell people my pro about my program and my price on a sales call if they're not the perfect fit. Because that would be a disservice. If I tried to sell someone my program and they are not the right target market, that would be a disservice. So if someone gets to the point where in a sales call and I realize they're not a good fit, I just straight up tell them, look, I don't feel like I'm a good fit for you. And that's it. I don't even tell them my program or my pricing. And it's the same thing I teach my clients. So the mindset piece of like how we're doing it and what it is about, that it's about what's in the best interest of the person that we're helping. That's really yeah. important. I think... Part of the other thing is most people don't have a structure for sales. They've got a structure for marketing. They spend a lot of time on their structure for marketing, but they've got no structure for sales. How do they convert? What is their sales conversion process? What does it actually look like? What actually works? Have they tested and validated it? 
Have they worked on it? Have they practiced it? Have they skilled themselves at sales? So see, most people don't even, they don't even like sales. They don't even like the word of sales. They're like, no, no. So there, there's a whole structure piece that is like not set up for a lot of businesses. So I think that's a key piece as well. And then I think we have to talk about the value stuff, right? Because that is one of the biggest things that all of my clients confront is that you have to own your value and believe in yourself if you're going to have a high sales conversion. If you don't believe in yourself, if you don't own your value, like nobody will believe you. So you won't convert people. Yeah, it's so true. And that confidence is something that's going to be really hard for people to you know, really claim even when they know the worth of their service or their product, if that mindset around the sales has not been shifted, right? Yep. Because you can be so confident in what it is that you're doing, but if you're not confident in selling it in that process, if you have those blocks against what it means to sell or you have those myths or just distorted perceptions and you feel like it's not a good thing, then yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work. So I'm glad that you're focusing on kind of bringing forth both of those, those aspects, because you got to be confident. And then you also really have to shift your mindset around sales. So what do you think has, because I mean, I've been working on shifting my mindset around sales and just around numbers in general, since I became an entrepreneur, because I kind of always had that more comfort on the direct service part of things like put me in front of my clients, put me in front of my computer so I can write about what I'm doing or speak about what I'm doing. And I'm there a hundred percent. But if you start talking to me about my reports and my sales conversions and all of the numbers of my business, like I've often wanted to duck my head in the sand and I'm, and I know I'm not alone. Like I know a lot of women entrepreneurs sort of struggle with that aspect so I feel like numbers and sales, like that is something that gets kind of coupled up where we can't really understand our sales process also if we're not re- looking honestly at our financial reports. Yeah, totally. And um, and I think that – so part of it is – I think, yeah, again, sort of separating, right? I don't think it's just the mindset that we struggle with the numbers and the sales specifically. I think it's about the indoctrination and the ego and the way the masculine domination of the business world has really come into play because there's been so much focus on sales equaling your value. Right. So if you, if you're making a lot of money, you're a good business person. If you're not making a lot of money, you're a bad business person. If you're making a lot of money, you're worthy. If you're not making a lot of money, you're not worthy. Like there's a, there is a lot of indoctrination in the world that ties those things together, right? Associations. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think when it comes to us talking about our sales, a lot of women aren't in it for sales. Like they're doing their business for balance. They're doing their business for impact. They're doing, yes, they want to make sales and they want to be comfortable and they, but it's like not the only reason they're doing it. So then what happens is they are afraid to talk about their sales. They've been shamed in, you know, not making enough sales that I think it's this really uncomfortable topic. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I think there's so many, um, it's a complex internal and external messaging, right? So there's the internal kind of decking your hand in the sand because of certain things that you've come to believe. But there's also all of the cultural messaging around, yeah, what does it mean to be successful? I know that I have had to rework that definition of success in my own head because you can't go into a new industry you know, like we did in 2008 when co-working, there was like a hundred co-working spaces around the world. And now there's like 15,000. And when we started, it was very hard to, um, I mean, it wasn't about money. It, it was about this dream that we had to bring about a different way of working in a way that work personal life and your professional life could be integrated into one common space and then you could work as a community. So it's this pioneering, this whole new concept. And I remember, do you remember when we had that um, business competition and we stood in front of a panel of judges and all of the women were nodding their heads and they were just like, this is amazing. You could just see them as we went through our presentation, everything that we were going to do, who we were, who our target market was, how we were going to solve, help solve some of their struggles. 
And the men in the room looked quite perplexed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and when it was time for the Q&A and for them to ask us questions, you know, the men went right into that more traditional way of thinking about success and predicting success. So they wanted to know, well, where are your numbers exactly? Like, what are, what's your target market saying about their um, willingness to come and work in this kind of space? And do you really know if this is a need? You know, and it was a lot of the just masculine way of thinking, linear measurement, data driven. And we just knew it in our hearts. And we knew that the friends all around us were talking about these pain points. Like we were living and breathing the challenges of women entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. And so that level of success, predictor of success is what they were looking at. They were very measured. And we walked away from that situation feeling a bit downtrodden. I mean, we ended up becoming finalists in that competition, but we didn't win that competition because what we didn't feel like we really showed up with what that masculine lens was looking for. Not that we felt any doubt, in our own ability to take this model and do something with it. But I still come back to that day sometimes when I realize that if I would have let that idea of success determine what I was going to be doing with Soma Vida, there's no way that I would still be doing it 10 years later. Because that for me is not success. (laughs) You know, impact is success and sustainability is success and the ability to, um, grow and evolve a model that didn't exist before into fruition is successful. Yeah. So I don't know. So I've thought a lot about, I used to, if I would have let myself hold on to those old beliefs about success, I think I would have given up a long time ago. Yeah, definitely. Me too. I mean, you know, being in business for a long time, almost two decades now, like there were a lot of times that if it hadn't been for my passion and my just like absolute dedication to impact that I would have given up because, you know, the money wasn't there. Like, you know, just those, those ups and downs and struggling of being an entrepreneur. And I think, that's the the thing like you know every some people are dedicated and focused on making money and that's fine like you know right now i i definitely am dedicated to you know making more money than i've ever made to support women to help raise them up to you know to shift the the financial power of women in the world you know but that can only be achieved through certain things see i think what most people don't realize in this day and age of this marketing hype is that not all industries not all packaging not all programs like not all things can make a million dollars. Like there is very specific industries that have that capacity. But most people, like, you know, if you want to have a little product or you want to do something creative and you want to have an online program, not going to make a million dollars. Like it's just the, that's just the industry. And a lot of women don't care. They're there because they want to do their passion project. They're there because they want to work 20 hours a week and be with their kids. They're there for a lot of other uh, pieces and priorities and purposes than just money. So, you know, it all depends on what you want. So I'm a proponent for, you know, my clients really increasing their sales, but that's a very specific reason I have behind that. But not everybody wants that. And I think that that is one of the first things is we have to get more comfortable with owning why we're here and what we're doing, whatever that is. If that's making great money, fantastic. If that's not making great money, fantastic. It doesn't really matter. It's all about you owning yourself and your own purpose and your own gifts. So I think, you know, that is one of those sort of areas. But I think that you know, when we're talking about the actual sales conversion process, I think it's about the indoctrination and the uncomfortableness around owning our value. Like so many women that I work with and myself included, right? I've been on this huge journey over a lifetime of, of identifying with giving, of identifying with, you know, not taking, not receiving. So then trying to get my value exchange is really, really a journey. Like it's having to own all of those pieces that I've been, you know, um, indoctrinated with. It's having to let go of the identity where my only value is in giving. Yeah. Yes. It's been a big journey for me as well. And why I think I still struggle myself with sales because at times, yeah, I'm just more comfortable 
with the identity of giving. And yet a couple of years ago, it did dawn on me that I would burn out and not be a sustainable giver if I was not receiving, right? We've talked about this before. So, but that was a huge, and I had to, like, it was the first step and I've had to continue to step further and further into the core of that understanding that it's not only about sustaining my ability to give, it is the balance itself of the energetic move of going out and coming in and going out and coming in. Like that's the holistic perspective. Like that is the way that energy moves and not just because I need to support my giver identity. Not, you know, I'm not going to just flex my receptivity muscle um, so that I can give more. Although that was my gateway drug. (laughs) I was like, I had to like feed that. I had to feed that a little bit, that craving, because it was so important to me to be of service. And it still is. It's a big piece of why I've crafted my career the way that I have, because it's really important for me to know that I am being of service to my fellow humans. However, it is it was starting to tear me down. It was starting to burn me out when I wasn't looking at the disservice I did to them by not receiving what they had to give me. Yeah. And, and this is the piece is that, you know, I've studied this for a long, long time. And what I learned a long time ago is that it is, there's an energetic equal exchange. And if you do not charge what you're worth, then people will not get what you have to offer. So you are doing a disservice to them every single time because they cannot receive what they haven't paid for. And this is the truth. Or they're going to feel so like obligated to you. They're going to start to see you as a guru and it's going to really make this unhealthy relationship. And so, you know, this is where it's so interesting, the people who, because I've had lots of conversations around these topics and the people who are kind of those, those people who believe that everything should be given for free. Yeah. They have a lot of like really messy energetic patterns with people like really yucky you know where all these people feel like they owe them and there's like a whole energetic power dynamic there and it's it's really yucky the absolute cleanest form of exchange is money it is the absolute cleanest form of exchange and so you know i don't want to have a we could probably have a whole entire uh, episode on that one piece, but, but, you know, just to swing us back around to kind of the sales and marketing, you know, I think that, you know, what we're trying to cover today is really looking at a reframe around sales and marketing. And one of that reframe is that we need to stop putting so much concentration on marketing. See, one of the things is that if we move from the inside out, we're so much better off. So what happens is most people move up from the outside in. They focus on marketing, 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 marketing. And then, you know, they might even look at their sales conversion, but most of the time they just keep trying to market and exhaust themselves. Whereas what they should be doing is establishing their own internal strength, like really working from the inside out, establishing their value, like really reframing their mindset, all of those internal things, and then practicing and creating a proper sales process so that they're converting at a high degree before they market. I know this is like, uh, people are going to be screaming like, no, but this is how it really, (laughs) really, I mean, it's so much more effective. And then once you're really good at converting, once you're, you validated, you're really clear about what you offer and who you target, your marketing is going to be simple. Yeah. Well, I think it's like turning back the dial and going, thinking about how things used to work um, in small shops and communities, Mm, right? Yes. You did not. It's almost like there's this distortion of our perception that's happened because we do live in such a connected world. And I love that. I love that I can be connected to you in the other side of the earth right now. This Mm -hmm. is amazing. We have this technology and we get to be connected. But then it's given us this perception that we have to connect with everyone and that we need to market to everyone. And we forget that what was really always successful for small businesses that would have 50 years of having their business run in a community was the relationships they built with the members and the clients that came back over and over again. It was membership. It was sales and retention. Yep. Not new leads, new leads, new leads, marketing, marketing, marketing. It was marketing, sales, retention, Sales retention, sales retention, sales retention, and the marketing, right? Right. Like, look at that ratio. But we've gotten into this new way of looking at the world 
And I think that what we're not mindful of is that our nervous systems, our whole beings are being revved up. This is a part of what's making us anxious. This is a part of what makes it feel like you can't get it all done, that your business is bigger than you. You're never going to get ahead of it. It's just like, don't let it run away from you when you can pull it in and ground it in a smaller space that's genuinely who you are and who you want to work with and reward those people for staying with you and being with you. Right. Yes. And this is the thing I think, again, everybody forgets. It's all about connection. Like, yeah. you know, this is what I like to say. Like, you know, like I said, I, I can, you know, make clients on Facebook. I can make clients in a coffee shop. Like, you know, but you think about, uh, I was in a group, the Facebook group the other day, and they were talking about, you know, how do you sell to people through Messenger, right? Because this is the new thing, Messenger, Messenger chatbots, blah, blah, blah. And, and the whole thing is you don't, you build a relationship with people, right? Like I do create clients from messenger, but it's because I actually care about people. I don't go into a messenger conversation and say, so do you want my service? Here's what I'm offering. You know, can you <laughs> like, would you do that in a coffee shop? Would you walk up to someone and be like, you don't know me, but can I sell you my service? Of course you wouldn't, right? right? You might say, Hey, how's it going? Oh yeah, you know, I really love the coffee here. How about you? Oh, where are you from? Right? You know, you, you establish mm-hmm. rapport, you make a connection, you, you know, you just ask them who they are, what they're about. And eventually those kind of conversations usually turn around to, well, what do you do? And if it's relevant to them, they'll be interested. And see, this is the, it's like we've forgotten that real marketing for small businesses, right? When you don't want to be the spammy, salesy, big businesses, then it's about connection. It's about building relationships. And this idea that you can, you can see, this is where I think there's another whole episode on this piece of pulling a thread. Yeah. The idea that you can sit behind a computer, create a lead magnet, pull leads in and convert them through email. Like it's just not happening anymore. Like it, 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 <laughs> It's, it takes very specific <laughs> strategies, really knowing what you're doing to make that work. Everybody in the universe is doing it now. Like it's not new. It's not, you know, like how many of you just like sign out of bulk emails, you turn everything off and yet everyone's still trying to operate this way. I can just sit back here. I don't have to actually connect with anyone. I can just, you know, put something on my website and people will come and then they'll convert because I've got an automated email that's talking to them. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. That is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's so true. I even have this response now to um, like newsletters and stuff that, you know, how people have just become increasingly more clever about making it sound like they've just reached out to you. And I appreciate that level of attempt at connection, but it really pisses me off because I know it's automated. I'm like, we all know this is automated. We all know that you're not talking to me. But it's just like, I don't appreciate this, this you know, but it's, it is how it is how it is. Like, it's so interesting. Um, and I'm just, I'm not a newsletter. I'm not a newsletter person. I do not send out a newsletter because I personally don't read them and I don't feel Like they're just like little news boxes to me. Like, okay, I can get some relevant information. And there's a few people that because they curate content so well, that's what gets me. It's like, oh yeah, I know that they're going to have always some really interesting stuff that they connect out to. But really that's what works for me. And I think that's something, if you find yourself unplugging, not tuning into some of these things, stop marketing there. (laughs) You know, like if you're not hanging out there, where are you getting your information? Where are you going? Where, what makes a sale for you? Yeah. And even just turning it back in and letting that guide us. And again, this comes back to being more intuitive. Like what works for you? Where do you feel connected? What makes you want to follow someone, you know, Yeah. or trust them? And, and I think it goes back to, to this like perspective, you know, yes, you can use bulk emails or Facebook posts or a few things that might help, you know, get people's attention, but you will not convert sales that way. So, and I think this is the only way I convert my leads is through a relationship. 
right? Through, through an actual call, through a human to human moment. <laughs> like, I think, you know, this is what we've lost. This is why a lot of people are not converting sales. They may have tons of leads. They may be constantly working their ass off to, you know, nurture those leads, but they're not converting into sales. And so, you know, yeah, I think this is, it's, back to that connection. It's back to that relationship and it's back to the right intention. Like my intention for selling and for my sales calls is never to get a sale. My intention is always to offer the best service to the person that I'm talking to. And if that best service is not me, I will just tell them I'm not the best service. And that way I'm confident that if my, if I do think that what I have to offer is the best thing for them, I can offer it with clarity and pure intention. Yeah. That's such a good point. I think that actually, as soon as you said that, I kind of asked myself, yeah, why do I, why do I sell coworking? Okay. Because I believe in it Mm because I've seen my life change the way I do businesses, um, improved because I have a community of shared space in which I can do yoga and be productive and have client meetings and sessions and grow alongside other entrepreneurs. So I believe in it. It's the way that I see is the most, it's the healthiest way to work. So of course I'm going to stand behind that in psychotherapy. Like I love it. I'd go, I don't understand why people would not go to therapy. (laughs) It's like (laughs) the most awesome thing to have somebody who can listen and reflect back to you and help you, um, examine your life from like a compassionate lens. But you know, it's, it's interesting. So when we do forget, we get kind of uncomfortable with cells. I think I would encourage our listeners go back to that place of, yeah, what do you really, what are you giving? What are you so excited about? Because selling something that you love, selling something you believe in, selling your passion, selling the reason why you feel like you're here on this planet, that is a completely different conversation than anything that you might have believed to be a sales call or a sales convo, right? And so I think that that's something that is easily done, but we don't think to do it. And maybe next time before you hop on a sales call or you go into a coffee shop hoping to network, like come back to that. Why do I do what I do? What am I really offering here? Yeah. And I think, I mean, that, you know, yeah. I mean, again, we will probably pull some threads for this episode from this episode because I feel like there's just a lot of sort of topics here. You know, we didn't really know where we were going. But I think, you know, what I really want to hit home with this episode is that we should take more of our attention off marketing because that is not where it happens. That is not where success in your business happens. It's hype. It's a lot of hype. You should focus way more on sales conversions and your sales process and what you're offering people. And so, you know, that's just sort of something to explore, I think, as you move forward in your business. And we'll, we'll try to address this a little bit more later on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the only thing takeaway I would say is, and have fun, reframe cells as something that you love and is fun and you can get excited about. And I, in that, all that like creativity that you're directing towards marketing, bring it on to cells and see what you can do there. Yeah. Yay. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. To get some great resources and listen to all of our episodes, visit theliberationlab.com. We want to help other women get the support they need to create more real success and freedom. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, you can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who've commented, emailed us, and reviewed our show. We are so appreciative of your support. See you next week.